Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. Oh, y'all are nice. Thank you. Hey, Kenny is about to go on a trip uh, to Europe. Um, with my brother, who's one of our missions partners, they're going to go pour into a bunch of uh, discipleship groups and house churches that are forming there with refugees out of the Middle East. And so I just want to pray for you. Four, they're going to four countries in two weeks. And so would y'all just pray with me for Kenny. God, we thank you for Kenny, Lord. We thank you for the fire of God that he carries. We bless him. We bless Josh. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that your hand is on them. Lord, I thank you that what you're doing is that you're multiplying uh, disciples uh, and you're advancing your kingdom through them. We thank you, Lord, for safety, for divine connections, for uh, prophetic words and dreams, for impartation and life. Lord, I thank you that as he goes, that... um, He's going to leave incredible deposits, and Lord, we also just bless him, bless him to receive as he goes to work with his Father in heaven, Lord, that he would come back uh, just as blessed um, as he's able to leave other people. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Love you. All right, well, this is Vision Sunday, and I'm going to share a bit of vision. This will be a little bit different than uh, a normal Sunday, um, but I think you're going to be Uh, encouraged and excited about what God's up to. How many of you have ever watched the show, I think it's like TLC or something like that, called Bridezilla? Anybody seen that? Bridezilla? I actually have not seen that show, but by the name, I understand what it's about. And having been uh, a pastor for nearly 20 years, I've done a lot of weddings. And I've seen a Bridezilla or two. (laughs) And one of the things is I was... Uh, just praying, I actually felt like a word for the church is bridezilla. You're like, oh no. And here's what I mean. I think for far too long, the church, maybe just in the West, maybe just as I've known it, has existed primarily for herself. And that's not what the bride's for. And that's not what God's up to in the earth. And so, as I share vision for us as a church family, it's actually not about us. And I think the sooner that we realize that, the better off we are. Because I think for far too long, the church has been all about herself and not about the groom, and not about the world around us. And the truth is, is that when we live for ourselves, it is a surefire way to find yourself miserable in life. If you're consumed with yourself, if you want to find somebody that's, that's absolutely miserable, If you find somebody that is all they're doing is complaining all the time and story topping all the time and making everything about them, what you're going to find is somebody who is so into themselves that they can't see the world around them. And I believe what God is calling the church to do is to be who he has always created her to be, which is a glorious bride that exists for the sake of the world. And 
the great adventure and invitation and risk for you and for me is that we would get on board with that. Can I, can I just say something to you that church as usual, church as a country club, church is something that we're membered to as a club instead of membered to as a body is really boring. And if we want to, ha- to impact the world and if we want to see the kingdom advance both in nations and for generations, it's going to require that we get a hold of something called the kingdom of God. And when we begin to get a hold of the kingdom of God, church comes alive because we realize that we're not gathering for the sake of ourselves, but for the glory of God in our lives, in the lives of each other, but also in the world around us. And I think for so long, the church has been so concerned about herself and how to be better and prettier that we haven't offered the world what she's always needed. You see, when I look around and when I dare to watch the news as terrifying and often confusing and corrupt as the news can be in our day, doesn't matter what channel you watch, what, what three letters it is, if it's CNN or Fox or ABC, or it's all just confusing and chaotic. But what I find is this, in the midst of probably an absence of much real truth in all of that, what I find is a world that is hurting, that is dying, that is struggling, that is perishing, and in need of the church, but not in need of the church in a way that we've always been, but in need of the church to be who God has always meant for us to be. Amen? Are you with me? And so I want to talk about what I believe God is doing in us, but, I, but I, I want you to understand this, that it's not about us. Does that make sense? It's, it's not like, how do we build a bigger sozo church, a, bit, a better sozo church, have better gatherings and better performances and productions and draw more people and get more butts in the seat and bucks in the buckets, but it's actually about how do we see the kingdom advance for the sake of the world. And I believe that's what God's up to in the world. I believe that's what he is inviting us to be a part of, and I believe that's the great adventure in life. One of my favorite uh, analogies of church is that so often the church has been like the gang of six on the TV show Friends. And if you watched all of those shows, which I'm not, I'm not endorsing, I'm just giving you an analogy, then what you'll find is this, that you got six people who for a decade or so do nothing with their lives except for drink coffee and sit on the couch. And because they don't see the world outside of themselves, in fact, they make it really hard, actually impossible to join their group of six, what they find themselves doing is being in and out of relationships with each other and sleeping around and having a big mess and no joy. I'd like to contrast that with the fellowship on Lord of the Rings. What a bunch of crazy misfits that do not belong together by any stretch of the imagination, and yet because they're bound together by a common mission, they become the closest of friends with real and authentic relationships that challenge each other and stretch each other and grow each other, and they see their mission accomplished. See, I think in our day what the world is looking for It's not a club to belong to, but a family on mission. 
So I'll just jump right in. Um, Our vision statement as a church is not to be a better church. It's to see the kingdom of heaven advance in our lives, region, and to the ends of the earth. And if it doesn't involve the kingdom of God, which is the rule and reign of God in any place and over all time, then I, I think we've greatly missed it. And if it doesn't start in our own lives, then there's no way that we can give it away to the world around us or to the ends of the earth. Our mission statement is simply to be a family on mission, representing Jesus to the world around us. Now, what that doesn't say is to be a family on mission, inviting people to our church in small groups. That's not wrong. It's not wrong. In fact, there are some people in your lives that probably need to be invited. But it's not about building a bigger us. It's about representing who Jesus is in our lives to the world around us that is in desperate need for the authentic expression of Jesus that is in you. It's not something that you have to learn how to be or do. It's something that you release when you're being who God created you to always be. And so for us as a church family, one of the things that I am passionate about, like here, here's the, the truth. I've got incredibly big vision. Like it's impossible vision. I, I want to see God multiply uh, not just churches, but create a movement that impacts the nations. It's phenomenal. But here is where I feel like my hands are tied behind my back and I'm really excited. My role in your life is not to use you to fuel my vision. In fact, I absolutely refuse to do that. Instead, for, for me, as a lead pastor, for our elders, for our, our leadership team, our goal is not how do we use people for our big vision, but instead that we would trust God with the vision that he's given us, and we would lay that vision down for the sake of the people in front of us. Yeah. And what that means is that we would help you discover God's call on your life. And in faith, I believe this, that as I do that as a leader, as I say, you know what, it's not about me accomplishing my vision, but it's actually about you stepping into God's purposes in your life, here's what I believe will happen. That God will send everybody that we need, and I don't have to manipulate, we don't have to manipulate people into our vision, but instead we get to partner with them to step into their destiny, and their destiny, God's so good that we couldn't micromanage and manipulate any of this stuff to happen. He's going to bring the very people that we need in order to do what we need to do, and we're not going to have to convince anybody, but instead, he's going to bring exactly the people we need for what he's called us to do. And it'll be way more fun and so much wilder. In fact, one of the interesting things that I've found is that God keeps sending people our way, that it's like these people could be leading churches and could be on stages anywhere in the world, and instead they're sitting in seats next to you, or they may be you, and it's like God's bringing people this way, and it's like as we trust him, what we'll see is that he's building something way bigger than us. And it's not about a name or a label or a brand, it's about his kingdom advancing. It's like regularly that I get phone calls from leaders that are discovering, like in in other places, that are discovering the kingdom of God, and they're like, I can't unpack this with my church family, with my leadership. I need somebody that I can just talk to about the ways of the kingdom and help me discover that. It's like the world is crying out for what God is doing in our midst, and it's not just about us, but it's like God's doing something new in the earth. 
He's creating, creating kingdom family, and he's inviting you and I to participate with that. And so what I see happening is that God is raising people up that will be transformative in culture. And it's not about church, right? So it's not about how do we raise up more pastors. In fact, I don't know that we need any more pastors. We probably do, but what we need, <laughs> I'll back up a little bit. Maybe we do. But the, you've heard me say this before, the height of spiritual maturity, I'm a really good example of this, is not to be a pastor in a church. It's actually for you to take what God has called you to and take it to the world. That we would see people activated in the very grace on their lives in the places that God has placed them, whether it's in their neighborhood or their workplace or their school or their family. What we need is apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers in every sphere of society. Now, let me say this, because I'm going to go further down that road in a minute. When I say we need apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers in every sphere of society, what I'm not talking about is the church dominating the world. That's never done the world any good, right? Instead, what I'm saying is, is that we need the church to be influencing the world. I love what Martin Luther King Jr. said, it was something like this. He said, the church is not supposed to be the head of the state, it's supposed to be the conscience of the state. And I would add to that, dangerous to add to a great man's words, but I would add to that that we're also supposed to be the heart of, this, of, of the nation. That the goal is not that we would control things. It's toxic when we think that the church as an organization needs to be in control of everything. You don't want me in control of anything else. It's enough. I'm actually not even in control of this because you're in this and I'm not controlling you. That wouldn't go well for either of us. I've got too much to do in life to be in control of much of anything. Um, but the goal isn't control, instead it's that we would be activated to serve the world and bring the kingdom, that we would bring influence. If you're like, well what does that look like? I think probably two of the best characters you can study these guys' lives are Joseph and Daniel. In fact, they served in corrupt, wicked, non-God-fearing countries, high in command, and caused them to prosper while they were living out God's call in their life. And I think what God is asking for is that there would be among us more Daniels and Josephs and Esthers that would step up. We do have, and I actually thought of you when I said that. Yeah, God is gonna, he's going, whew. He's actually got you where he has you, though you're struggling with it, because you're learning how to be royalty. And you have to learn how to be royalty to live out the call in your life, Esther. 
because he wants to put you in front of high-level leaders. And so he's, he's breaking off anything that would make you think that you're less than royalty. I really wish I was the laughing pastor instead of the crying pastor. <laughs> it would be a lot more fun. <laughs> Let's just laugh together for a second. <laughs> so as I, as I was preparing, I, uh, I felt like God gave me uh, seven shifts in the church. And it's not just for us as a church, but it's actually, I feel like, what he's doing in the church. And so I'm, I'm going to read those to you, and we'll look at them for a minute, and then we'll finish uh, with what I think he has for us individually. Seven shifts in the church. that He is calling the church to move from being pastoral to being apostolic. Here's the idea behind that. Apostolic, again, is a word that could scare some people, but it actually means to be sent ones. In, in the uh, New Testament, we know of the 12 apostles, uh, Judas dropped off, they added Matthias, we never heard about him again, and then uh, there's Paul, but there's actually uh, several others, including at least one woman, Junia, who was an apostle, uh, there's a lady, uh, the, the woman uh, at the well, Samaritan woman at the well, you know that story? You've probably seen it on The Chosen, and that lady, we don't hear about her again in scripture, but in church history, we know her to be Fotina, and she's considered one of the great leaders of the early church. In fact, she had incredible impact in North Africa, like thousands and thousands of people came to know Jesus and planted churches under her leadership. So in that, women actually have a role to play regardless of what religion has tried to tell you. But the move from pastoral to apostolic, pastoral is a gift set that we need and it's really about caring for and growing the body. It's actually, it's an inside job. It's how, how do we work and take care of the sheep that we have. We need that in our midst. But the church has stopped being apostolic and started just being pastoral and we've moved towards being a country club. But I feel like what God has called the church to be is actually an apostolic people. And what that means is that we would be sent, that we would be launched to bring transformation to the world around us. Uh, that word apostolic or apostle is not a uh, originally religious word. It actually comes from Greek culture and then it was borrowed by the Romans and then uh, by the early church. The word apostle was actually the, the term used for somebody in the military that had the rank of a general and the role of an ambassador. And what their role was is they found that as they were conquering new territories, they would become Greek or Hellenized. And those Hellenized cultures uh, would not change, and so they'd move on to a new territory. And what they found is that even when they conquered new lands, nothing was actually changing. And so uh, one of the Greek emperors invented this role called apostle, sent one. He actually had the authority of the king. You and I, by the way, are an apostolic people. We get to walk with the authority of the king. And what his role was, was actually to bring their culture into that place and so what the role of apostles are is actually to advance the kingdom into every sphere of society. You with me? And so we, we need the church gathered, but we actually need the church activated and scattered. And so I think as we learn how to be an apostolic people, what we'll see is the kingdom advance. To move from church to kingdom. 
that we would stop just being about church and we would start being about the kingdom, to move from informational to transformational and supernatural. The church is not supposed to be simply an academic institution, but that we would actually be a a supernatural place where the kingdom of God uh, is entered into and advanced from. To move from hirelings and professionals to spiritual fathers and mothers. But, by the way, that uses that word professionals, that's not me. I'm not a professional at this. This is just a hobby. I'm just learning how to do this. I'm still in training. But the, what struck me as I, as I started uh, in my late teens and early 20s into church leadership is that there really are no professionals. It's like, at some point I was, I was waiting for like the professionals to come in and take over and like sort everything out. I realized that there aren't any of those. There's actually not a divide between what they would call clergy and laity. It's actually just the people of God. And what, what we need to be led by is spiritual fathers and mothers, not just hirelings and professionals. Like for me, this isn't a job. I don't have a church resume. Right, like I'm, I'm not looking for like a, a, a ministry job. Instead, I'm, uh, this is about family, and I believe that's what God's doing in the church. Is that the church would begin to live and act like family. So back to that word professional. From professionals to everybody gets to play. Everybody has a ministry. Say, I have a ministry. Everybody has a ministry, everybody has a role to play, everybody has grace on their life. Some of us are called to use our ministry primarily on the people of God inside of the family of God or the church, and then others of us are called to to do that in other ways and other places, but there are no professionals, it's everybody has a role, everybody gets to play. From consumerism to activation. Like, we're not supposed to be consumers, we're supposed to be activated. And if you leave here thinking, oh, I had some real spiritual meat today and now I'm full, that's actually called milk, by the way. So here's the difference between milk and meat. Milk, you get from somebody else. Ideally your mom, maybe a cow, okay? Okay. At some point, your mom, you should grow out of that, right? That's the whole point that, that they were making. Meat is something that you eat. Back in the day, you would actually even kill yourself, slaughter yourself, that you would eat and chew on your own, okay? And so the idea is, is that we don't come here to, get, to consume. It's not how, how do you tickle my intellect. It's actually how do you provide fuel for what, has, what God has called me to in my life, Like, and sometimes what that means is that you need to receive some ministry and some healing. But if your whole life, if the position of your life is continually to receive ministry and healing, ministry and healing, I just need more ministry and healing, I just need somebody else to pray for me, and you're not activated, then you're probably missing a critical step in the process. You're supposed to be activated into the purposes of God. If you're in a community group, you'll, you'll look at a couple of <coughs> characters in scripture this week. And uh, one is that lady, Fotina, the Samaritan woman at the well. And the other is the demoniac, that, uh, the Gadarean demoniac that is delivered of 
demons and they all run into, or they all go into the pigs that fall off the cliff. You know the story? Well, that guy is sent to Decapolis, which means 10 cities. He got delivered, met Jesus, encountered Jesus, delivered all kind of at the same time. He didn't go to training school. That's not a bad thing. I like that we're doing that. That's great. But he, he didn't go to training school. He didn't follow Jesus for three years. He was immediately activated and sent to 10 cities. You're more ready than you realize. Fotina encounters Jesus at the well and goes to her city and tells everybody about the man who knew stuff about her that she had never told him, and now she brings the whole city to come to Jesus. When Jesus says, look, to his disciples, look, the fields are white with harvest. What he was saying is, when he said white, he was talking about the color that Samaritans wore. They all dressed in white, and they were moving to give their lives to Jesus. Brought there by an evangelist who had only met him minutes ago. From consumerism to activation, from performance to presence. I love our worship team. They're phenomenal. But they'll only lead us as far as we want to go with them. Their goal is not to put on a good show. It's to lead you into the presence of God so that you could bless the heart of God. It's not about how do we do a better performance. And not just, by the way, on the stage or on a Sunday morning, but so often as Christians, we look for the ways that we can perform for the world. And what God is actually inviting us to is to presence. Are you with me? I'm gonna skip like the next 10 slides. They knew that I wasn't ever gonna get through those. Typically, I, I teach with no notes, and now I've got a lot of notes and not a lot of time to get through them. Um, so what I was going to do is basically read all, all the scriptures that are cited there to you. That was a bad idea. I told you I'm not a professional. <laughs> so what I, I wanna do is uh, read to you, I think, seven shifts in believers. I think this is what God is doing in us, I had trouble whittling it down to seven. I probably have about 35, maybe 105. Um, but I think these seven are key. This is what I feel like God is leading us. It's the new thing he's doing in the church that he's leading us to be. From looking at everyone else to being captivated by Jesus. Too often, people walk away from Jesus because of a whole bunch of other factors other factors other than Jesus. If the primary source of your spiritual health and your belonging to the family of God is other people and not Jesus, you're probably missing it. And when you're captivated by Jesus, what you'll see is you'll see everybody through the eyes of Jesus. And you'll stop demanding perfection and be excited about progress. You'll love instead of judge. From consuming attenders to activated revivalists and reformers, from, a, from religious club members to spiritual family on mission, from polished performers to authentic, whole, and holy disciples 
here's one of the things. I think we live in a day that's crying out for authenticity, yes? Yes. yes. And in the name of authenticity, what we have done is we have often dropped wholeness and holiness. And so we've started saying, you know, I'm just being authentic. And so now I drop the moral standard in my life. Say, oh, that's just me. Just deal with the real me. That's just who I am. Or my my favorite yet, that's just my truth. You gotta be kidding me. There's just one truth. And it probably doesn't belong to you. And so we need to be authentic. But in our pursuit of authenticity, we cannot compromise wholeness and holiness. We can't just say, well, that's just me. No. If that's not found in Jesus, then there's still more available to you. And because perfection's not our goal, it's progress, we're going to go easy on ourselves. We're not going to beat ourselves up in the process. Instead, we're going to recognize that Jesus is changing us from the inside out. Next week, we'll talk about being a disciple and making disciples, and I'll talk about how I think we all missed it on understanding how we live as disciples. So you just have to come back next week, but I'll I'll throw you one more hook. It's, It's actually not about what you do. Jesus changed the script on discipleship from about being about your behavior to being about your belief. What we find is that your belief will power your behavior. And if you get a hold of that, anything is possible. Thank you. So from polished performers to authentic, whole, and holy disciples, from political allegiance to kingdom alignment. Man, I'm heartbroken over what I've seen in the church the last four, five, six years. Somehow, we have allowed politics to be more important than the kingdom. And I'm not saying that politics don't matter and that there aren't some things that are high stakes in the world around us that we need to enter into and we need believers in the political arena. And more than that, we need believers in government. Not, and by the way, the role of government is not the evangelization of the nation. It's not to make everybody believers. Government doesn't work that way. It's actually to promote an atmosphere, a culture, a nation that lives and freedom with choice. You can never convince somebody to be a believer. And so the goal is to set a secure place for people to thrive and prosper and walk in freedom. That's like an incredible government. I told somebody once this, I think God's actually not very interested in politics. This has no place in the kingdom. He's actually more interested in, in government. In politics, let me separate those two for you. Politics is all of the jockeying and posturing for power and position where government is actually where decisions are made for the sake of the people. We've got a lot of professional politicians in our, uh, in our nation, in our world, and what we actually need are governmental statesmen and stateswomen 
who are willing to sacrifice and not use their position for their own personal gain. Amen? Y'all with me? And so here's what I'm calling you to, inviting you into. If somebody, if the first thing somebody notices about you is your political affiliation instead of your allegiance to the kingdom, you're probably missing the point. If the thing that you're loudest about in the world is your politics and not your belief in Jesus and your love for the world around you, you're probably missing the point. Instead, our lives are meant to be in alignment with the kingdom. This one's got a little bit of a sting in it. From functional atheist to believing believers. I didn't say from philosophical atheist or theological atheist. I think so often the church has had all of the right information and none of the right belief. And what God is saying is, hey, I'm inviting you to be believing believers. Would you believe I could do anything? And I want to do it in you. It's not about what you know. It's about what you believe. From stone-throwing critics to humble, engaged servants. If everybody knows more or knows most what you're against and what you're criticizing than what you're for and what you're building, you're missing it. God's called you to build something with your life. And let me say this, the church and other things are not above criticism, but it has to be for the purpose of building up, not tearing down. The world around you has enough critics. Like there's chaos and criticism, and if your criticism leads you to condemnation, then you're missing it. What God's saying is, hey, you, could, you can see the problem, but don't fixate on the problem. Instead, brings life and solution to the problem. And so we do that by being humble and engaged servants. I've sat with people that the church would love to throw stones at for breaking our, our, our favorite sins that are always seeming to be out there instead of in us, right? Like we'd rather throw stones at the people out there that have the problems than recognize our own stuff. And, and what I find is that when we humble ourselves to listen and to serve instead of to, to try to slow, throw condemnation or even half-baked solutions, what we find is that we miss the heart of people and the potential for transformation. I believe that what God is looking for is a people who will lay down their lives for the sake of the world around them and who will submit to God's rule and reign in their own lives. I think he's inviting you and I into it. You with me? Yeah? I think that's what God's leading us to. And so... The reality is, is that if you're going to get where you're called to be, you can't stay where you are, right? That means that you actually have to take steps forward, and depending on the season of life that you're in, that will determine the steps that you move forward with. So some of you, you just need spiritual family. You just need people around you that will care for you, that will listen to you, that will help you heal and help you grow. And you can find that as we leave here. There's opportunity to join a community group. 
Um, I've recognized that that many from the range of like 28 to 45, whether it's the busyness of life or disdain for organizational church, often, (laughs) right, often choose not to participate in those and instead just form their own thing on the side. Uh, I just want you to be in spiritual family. You just need people that you're running with and that ideally there's some generational mix that can bring perspective and health to you. You need spiritual family. You may be in a place where you need uh, equipping. It's like you just need to grow and there's opportunities to do that. It's like you just don't know what you don't know. It's like when I started hanging around Kenny and Diane and learned that I could hear the voice of God changed everything in my life. I just needed to be equipped in that. One of my mentors taught me uh, just through this whole framework of understanding love and and you may just need some people to teach you relational skills and how to live that stuff out. Um, We've got equipping stuff for that. We've got greenhouse that we talked about coming up. Some of you, you just need to be activated and you need a home base to operate from. Like you need some people that are rallied alongside you that are running with you so that you can step into God's call for your life. That's really what spiritual family does. And some of you just need a place to pour yourself into. And you need a place to serve, a place to give what you have, a place even in your serving to move from being a volunteer or a group leader or on the kids team or youth team or whatever it is that you're in to being a spiritual father or mother. And you can do you, you can be on the parking team. How many of you are grateful for the parking team, by the way? You can be on the parking team as a volunteer, or you can be on the parking team as a spiritual father or mother. Two exact roles. You could use the same, the same voice and hand motions and whatever else is involved with that cool orange vest. But a spiritual father, a spiritual mother does that role differently. And in that place carries incredible authority. And it doesn't matter how old you are, by the way. Like when I look back on my life, like from a young age, way before I was ever a a biological father, I was fathering. I believe that's what God's calling you to do. And it may mean in order to do that well, it's what Shane was talking about a few weeks ago, that you heal from the, the past hurts of your fathers and mothers, but that you, you have a call on your life to leave a legacy, to be a blessing to the world. And in order to do it, it's crucial that you take some steps. You may need just to engage in mission, like local mission. We're starting a deal called Sports in the Park. We did it years back, and it's gonna be outreach both for kids. It'll be a place where kids in our church family can go on Monday nights for, for sports and fun and connection, but also for our city. We just host our city and have some fun together. You may just need to be in on that so that you can find some, some kids and even their parents to love on and, and create a safe place for them to belong and get to know Jesus and all that kind of stuff. But I, I think it's crucial that if we're gonna step into what God's doing, that we hear him, not me, hear him, what he's calling you to do, how he's calling you to engage, and that we step into it. Because I believe he's doing a new thing and he's inviting you and I into it. Would you stand with me?
Let's make some declarations together. I'll say it, and then you can repeat it. Father, you're really good. Thank you for your presence in my life. Thank you that you love me. I'm the one that Jesus loved. Thank you that you see me. And thank you that you're calling me. There's grace on my life. There's purpose on my life. The world needs what I have. The world needs who I am. So Father, I trust you with my life. Activate me for your kingdom. In Jesus' name. Amen.